listening to you're listening to you're listening to you're listening to Kenny you're listening you're listening to active fm the active fm the active fm fm to active fm Okay, how's it, everyone? Uh, this is your boy Fearless Eagle right here uh, with your host from the political show, which is hey hey hey! It is your girl Cynthia, but you know you can call me Dix, and I'm from the political show on Active FM. And today we are interviewing Branch Isole, who is an author and a poet. Yeah, yeah, really, really good, uh, brilliant. Yeah, like we. His work and everything, yeah. yeah definitely. So we're gonna get to know a bit about him, and yes. then yeah. So do, would you do you mind introducing yourself and you know, like telling us a bit about you and basically what you do? Yeah. Thank you for having me this afternoon. It, it's a real honor to be with you. I know we're a long distance away, and um, it, it's it's early morning here. But we're up and ready to go. I thank you for having me on. I, I'm an author and a poet. I've written 22 different books, uh, some fiction, some nonfiction. Yes. I write about adult uh, emotions and situations that that everybody faces at some point in their life, you know, and and in their relationships. And so I try to share. Through the situation or the story plot and the characters, you know something that the reader can identify with in their own life or in the lives of people close to them, their families, their coworkers, their friends, so that um, if they're facing a difficult situation, it can help trigger you know a way out to see that there is a solution and there is a remedy. And I'm not the only one that's experiencing this. So that's sort of the the gist and the gender of my work. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you spoke about the fact that you um, you write based off what people experience, so that we know that we're not alone, especially the the adults and stuff like that. Um, does it have to do any? Does it have to do with your upbringing? So obviously, we read about you. It says that you were born in Japan and you traveled a lot, and and you experienced a whole lot of different environments and and and, and stuff. So is it part of when you in your writing you bring that in? Has it been like a focus in terms of the things that you've experienced? Wow, that's a great question because. I don't write stories about myself so much. Um, I'm just like everyone, you know. My background and my experiences growing up certainly have an influence on the things that I believe and my perceptions of the world. Yeah. But in my case, you know, every I believe that everybody has a talent, you know, a God-given talent. Yeah. And in my case. I, I am able to. Um, I'm a good. I'm a great observer of people and situations. So you know, like if I go to a, a cafe or a, a coffee house, and I'm sitting there, I watch the people around me and I listen to the conversations that they're having that I can hear. And it's interesting when you watch people or hear what they're talking about. They're generally talking about issues or problems, you know, in their life, and 
when they're with their friends, they're likely to divulge a lot of information, you know, personal information that they wouldn't ordinarily tell a stranger, obviously. So as I watch people's behavior and their movements, and I listen to the conversations, it often gives me, you know, a trigger for a story or an idea for a story. And so that's what I do is, is I look and listen to the world around me and see if there's a story there. And, and then I go back and I sit down and flush out the story based on what I've seen or heard. And it's interesting, you know, as humans, our behavior, uh, it, we behave in patterns and our behaviors are pretty common among all peoples in all cultures. So the things that we experience, you know, here in the United States or in Canada or in South Africa are always pretty similar. The exact situation may be different, but the underlying theme or the underlying life lesson is generally uh, follows that pattern. Sure, yeah. that's really awesome. And in terms of like the books that you bring out and stuff, I see that you categorize them in four genres um starting off with spiritual with the whole spiritual thing uh you have the erotica you have your four genres and stuff do you want to explain uh, each genre and what your thought behind them was when you were writing these these short stories and poems sure um the, the four genres are spiritual grounding and spiritual growth so spirituality uh, the second one is basically fiction stories, what I call poetic prose. Um, that's the majority of the books are short stories and poems, you know, about life. And then I've got my um, one about becoming an author, how, what the path to authorship for aspiring authors and writers who have a story and they want to get it down on paper and try and get it published. And the last one is is the erotica, uh, or you know, the sexual orientation, because sex is part of adult life, and so I, I deal with those uh, emotions and psyche things also. So those are the four: spirituality, poetic prose, um, writing for aspiring writers, and the sexual. And and I, I get a lot of flack sometimes for for the for the sexual being part of you know my catalog, and and people say, well, how can you write about you know God and and life and also write about sex? And well, sex is part of life, and so uh, a good a big part of life for a lot of people, and a struggle for a lot of people. So sexual identity, some sexual practices. You know, there's a positive and a negative to everything that we say and do. And um, sexual intimacy, uh, relationship intimacy is part of our lives. So I write about it. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, out of curiosity, uh, like with poetry and yourself writing poetry, what actually inspired you, you know, to start writing poetry? That's interesting. I, my very first book I wrote um, for basically 
truth seekers and searchers and follow fallen away Christians. It's it's about spiritual grounding and how to you know start or get a spiritual relationship. Um, I thought I was going to be done writing at the end of that book, and one day I was sitting out at my gazebo. At the time, I was living in Hawaii, and I was looking out across the water at, at the Big Island of Hawaii. I was living on Maui, and a thought came to me as I watched the water, and I thought, "What kinds of thoughts or fears would one have if they were had been?" Abandoned at sea, you know, where the ships sank and they were alone, floating in the water. Yeah. And how many different, you know, feelings and emotions one would go through, realize they probably weren't going to be、uh, rescued. So, from that came my very first short story and, and poem. And for some reason, it started to come out like that. And 18 books later. Um, I was still writing short stories based based on one. Sure. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And then you you were speaking about、um, one of your one of your genres being teaching how people can write poetry and short stories and and stuff. When I was looking on your website, it spoke about a three R model that you use to teach. People, do you want to tell us a bit about the three R model and what it's all about? Sure.、Um, actually, the three R model started with the writing process, but as I've grown as a writer and now as a speaker and podcast guest, I've realized that the three R's apply to everything in our life, and and what they are is our response. Our relatability and our responsibility, and because life is about relationships, you know we're always in this dynamic、um, situation with people. Can you hear my rooster? Yes, you can. <laughs> he's he, he's pa- he, he and his girls passing by. So I apologize. <laughs> anyway, so you know I. I I try to make my write my works be relatable to the reader, you know, in in the story and in ease of reading, and I try and deal with responsibility.、Um, you know, one of the big challenges for all of us today is taking responsibility for our our actions and our consequences, and we don't see a lot of that coming from our leadership. Uh, particularly in politics, you know, particularly in this country in America,、uh, we have leaders who are basically in it for themselves, and and they've abrogated their vows and their oaths to be responsible for the people. And as a result, many people in our society feel that they can say and do anything they want without taking responsibility for it, because there's no consequence. And they can turn around and, and make an excuse or blame somebody else. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to share and talk about taking responsibility. Sure, we all make mistakes, we all do embarrassing things, and we all do things that we wish we hadn't done. But 
when we take responsibility for our actions and our decisions and our consequences, we get an opportunity to grow and become a better person. So, um, you know, that's what they are. It's, It's relatable response and taking responsibility. And I try and share that in my stories in the story itself, but I also try to promote that, you know, in my life and with people that I come into contact with. Um, that's the, the basic foundation of how we get along with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's really, that's really powerful. <laughs> um, I love the fact that you brought in politics because I'm, I'm part of the political <laughs> show, so anything to do with politics <laughs> what's this interests me. But you brought in the whole thing of how in politics people haven't taken responsibility and, and, and stuff. But you've been an author for quite some time now. And how has the change in terms of how politics are done, in terms of how society has changed in thinking with the youngsters and, and stuff, how has that affected your way of writing and has it given you more ideas, especially now with the whole LGBT community rising up and a whole lot of thoughts. I know in the U.S., one of the biggest fights is the whole thing with abortion and, and stuff. How has, has that in any way influenced or got you to start thinking of writing new books? And how has the change over the years um, influenced your writing? Wow, that's a lot of parts of that question. Um, I, I, first of all, I'm seeing a resurgence today that I lived and went through in the '60s. You know, there, there's people are rising up and and have sort of had enough of um, political leaders and business leaders and community leaders who say one thing and then do the exact opposite, right? They'll say anything to get elected. And as as soon as they get into office for many of them, the greed power, you know, gets the best of them and they give in, they get bought off by the big corporations. Power and money always, you know, is in the elite class. It has been since the beginning of time for man. And those with the power and the money make the laws and call the shots. And we see in every empire or every growing nation, there comes a point when the oppression and the suppression of people, whether it be, you know, their gender, um, their race, their religion, whatever the the catalyst is the suppression and the oppression oppression of people becomes too much and people finally have you know enough and they they revolt one way or the other uh, hopefully things can change bef- before they get to armed revolution but that's always an option to answer your question i really don't get involved anymore i was politically active in the 60s when i was in college but as I've seen the world change, not for the best at all times, you know, technology has made great advancements, but man's relation and the way we treat other people hasn't changed at all. Yeah. We still treat each other 
you know, everybody treats everybody like a second-class citizen. And with all this division within countries and within regions and within the world in general, you know, things continue to get worse. So I'm not political anymore. I, I'm very disappointed by, you know, the, the way the world is going, but I'm realistic enough to know that this is part of, uh, you know, the, the end times that are coming. And um, to get into that a little bit, you know, if you're, if you're versed in spiritual growth and you're versed in end times prophecy, then you can read about the things that are taking place today yeah. and all of this division and hatred and, and violence as part of our future. And so my goal at this point is not to be political. My goal at this point is to help people understand that, you know, the only way you can change things is by voting or by where you spend your money. You know, that's the only power that we as common people have. And if you want to, you know, strangle the opposition that you vote those people out of power who are not working for you and you refuse to buy things from corporations you know that are raping the planet and and causing so much destruction so but all of those political things you know we've had a, we've had a we've had abortion since the beginning of time we've had greed we've had oppression we've yeah. had violence that's part of our nature as man and women, uh, my goal is to help people understand that if, if you get spiritually grounded, you see the truth. Yeah. You see the truth in your own life and you see the truth in your world. And then you have a choice of whether or not you want to buy in and support the violence and the corruption and the evil, or whether you want to make your own world a better place for you and your family. You know, yeah. None of us can change where the world is going, but we can change, you know, how we respond to the people who come into our lives. And yeah. I choose to respond with love and respect and, and dignity. And, you know, the people who come into my life who don't want that or refuse to give that, I just don't have them in my life. So I don't allow politicians in my life. I vote and that's as far as it goes. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, uh, I just wanted to ask uh, if I had to be in a position where, uh, so I want to get into like poetry and the fear of you know people rejecting or how people are gonna respond. You know, that that fear is there. And looking at you with you know so much experience, you know, and the different situations that you've been in. What would your advice be to that person? Everybody faces rejection. (laughs) (laughs) At work, in our relationships, in our families, you know, in our efforts, rejection is part of life. And for young people, you know, rejection often hits hard and it hits deep. Um, What you have to understand that When somebody tells you no, that's okay. There's a reason they're telling you no. 
It may be valid or it may be invalid, but you don't take it personally as a rejection. You know, if you can grow from it, that's, that's great. If it's just somebody trying to control or, you know, make you feel bad about yourself, that's just who they are. And you let them go and, you know, beat themselves somewhere else. Everybody faces rejection. So it's not that you're alone. It's how you handle the rejection. And my advice is, you know, listen to what the rejection is. You have to understand that everybody you come into contact with has an agenda, right? They want something from you. They don't want necessarily something for you. So, so if you, you know that there's three foundations for all of us that we face. Number one, we all crave and desire love. Number two, we all crave and desire approval. And both of those start in early childhood and, you know, develop throughout our lives. Number three, when you get to be, you know, a, a teenager or a young adult or an active adult, say in your 20s and 30s, everyone you come into contact with has an opinion and they have an agenda and they want something from you. And if you don't agree, they're probably going to reject you. Well, you have to decide if what they want is in your best interest or their best interest. And if it's in their best interest, then their rejection is just what it is, a lot of hot air. If it's something that you can benefit from, then you take that rejection and you analyze it and you find the good that's in there and you use that to grow from. Don't take rejection personal. It, it, that's what, you know, when you take it personal and you internalize it, then it's designed to make you feel bad about yourself. And when you feel bad about yourself, you start to beat yourself up and then you just continue down into this spiral. Well, don't even go there. You know, just take what they're saying for what it's worth. And if it's worth something, grow from it. If it's not worth anything, you know, then it's just a lot of hot air. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. Then in terms of, um, your books and stuff do you have a favorite that you've written and do you have a least favorite <laughs> yeah my favorite is my next book the one that hasn't been written yet oh. and my 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 least favorite um Well, you know, there's something I like about all of them and there's something that I wish I had done different with all of them. But um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think of it, I, I don't think of it in terms of least favorite. I just try to continue to grow as a writer yeah. and as a person so that every book has something in there for the reader, no matter who they are, or what their age or what their gender or what their beliefs. That's why all of the books have different subject matter in them. You know, there's a story for somebody in there. And I get a lot of comments of people that say, well, I really love your work. And then I get comments that say, I really don't like your work. <laughs> and what I find is as they're reading, because there's, you know, so many different stories and situations, they find one that they like. And they'll continue to read through till they find another one they like. 
And the people who are upset with me find one that they don't like or that they you know, have an issue with. And then they keep reading to find another one that they don't like or have an issue with. So they can write, tell me, you know, how mad it made them. Well, the gist of that is at least they keep reading. And as they keep reading, yeah. they're exposed to, you know, different situations, different emotions, uh, different characters and different plots. And so they can identify a little bit of something with every one of the stories. And I hope in that way, it helps them grow a little bit with each story. Shot. Well, that's really awesome. And then I have another question about the way you write. So obviously you said you observe people. So if you go out and you hear a conversation and it probably strikes interest, then you're like, okay, I could write about that. Uh, do you also read books that help you in terms of like addiction and all of these things? Or is it just observation uh, that you get your writing from? Well, obviously, you know, I, I do a lot of reading. Um, everything influences me, right? As a writer, whether I'm seeing it live or whether I'm reading something, you know, it triggers for me different ideas. And once I have the idea, then I try and sit down, you know, and flesh out a scenario or a story that will take the reader from the initial idea through whatever the theme may be of the story to an end point where they're, they have an opportunity for some growth um, in an area. You know, there's 12 different lessons of life that we all experience. And so each story has one of those 12 lessons in it in order to help a person who's struggling with one of those lessons, you know, come out the other end uh, a little more enlightened and a little more confident that I can handle the situation that I'm that I'm now in. So I think everything that I come into contact with has the potential to be a trigger for a story. You know, I can write when I write a book. I can write a book in about six months, but for me. The fine-tuning and the editing is really where the time and the work comes from. A book generally takes about two years from start to finish. Six months to write it and 18 months to edit it, you know, and, and get it to where I'm pleased enough that it's ready to be published. So a lot of work at the back end of the story. You know, the story can come very, very quickly and I jot down the general ideas and then it's a matter of you know building upon each of those ideas so that the story becomes a real story and so there's a lot of work in the editing and the fine tuning of it sure that's really awesome uh, so from my side I have a question in mind uh, when I examine a lot of yeah, like your artists you know poet, poets uh, a lot of people who, you know, they produce content that actually influences many individuals. You get uh, some that do it uh, as a coping mechanism for them. And then whoever that's in that situation that they, you know, gets attached to them and either listens to their songs or reads their poetry because they can relate. 
and yeah like from look, looking at that whole thing uh one thing that i've seen you get situations where individuals they don't know why they doing what they doing and obviously like i said for some people is to cope as a poet what would uh your advice be to a person who wants to write poetry with a responsibility attached to it because you did mention you know the the whole responsibility aspect of it What a great question. You know, beginning writers, no matter who they are, but particularly poets, tend to write about themselves and their own experiences. This is particularly true with young poets. You know, someone once said that writers write about what they know. And so as a writer, as a beginning writer or a young writer, we tend to express our emotions and our feelings and our experiences as our story right and and everybody's got a story to tell so everybody's a writer some of us actually sit down and you know are vulnerable enough to tell those stories so you find a lot of beginning writers or a lot of young writers write about themselves and their experiences and this is very natural It's, it's sort of like musicians who start out, you know, doing cover of other people's work. So that's how you learn. You learn the techniques, and you learn the process, and you learn what works for you and what doesn't work, whether it's music or art or writing. You know, we have to start at the beginning. So we basically write about ourselves and our experiences. and we steal from other people from other writers from other artists from other musicians or we borrow let's say um and if you continue in the arts music art writing whatever it might be where your talent is you start to grow as an artist and you start to step outside of yourself and recognize that things are going on around you with the people in your lives and This is the great thing about the arts is you can experience something that you see or hear somebody else going through and explaining without having to do it yourself, right? It's 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 learning vicariously it means I don't have to drive drunk to understand that the consequences of driving drunk are bad or can be bad. So in that case, you know, we 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 start out and if we continue and we keep growing, like I said, then we step outside ourselves and our world starts to become bigger and we write or we produce music about things that apply to, you know, the world in general or our community. But we step outside of ourselves and that's the key. And for me, you'll notice that the only ones, the only selections that I write that are first person with me as the the character are the ones that are in the sexual um stories and that's because what i'm trying to do I, i write as my pen name is the voyeuristic poet you know and most people their concept of voyeurism has to do with sexual innuendo for me it's a little different i see it as being the voyeur of looking outside of my world and seeing how it applies 
to me in my world. So that's the voyeur part. But because most people think of voyeurism as a sexual thing, my sexual stories, I write first person with me as the narrator or the subject so that the reader then becomes the voyeur. Um, the other stories, you know, my, my other stories are not with me as the focus. It's not about me. It's not autobiographical. The stories are about the reader and what they're experiencing. So, you know, some of my stories are from a male point of view. Some are from a female point of view. Some are from a teenager view, an adult view, a child view. So all across the spectrum of um, race, ethnicity, politics, sexual, you know, social, the stories are not about me, but they're stories that the reader will identify with someplace. And so the reader becomes the focus, not me as the writer. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> it actually answered my other question concerning perspective, you know, and what point of view do you write, you know, from? And yeah, just uh, one more question from my side would be, uh, as a poet, was there any point in life where it was like, yeah, this is the toughest moment in my life as a poet? And how did you handle that situation? You know, everyone makes choices that have consequences that are hard to live with at point in their life. Mm. And I have made some choices in the past that have been very, very difficult to live with. Um, some embarrassing and some shameful and some downright deceitful. And... Those concepts <clears throat> are important to express. So, yes, there's there are stories that deal with, you know, shame and embarrassment and, and bad choices or poor or inappropriate choices. But again, they don't they're not the focal point by intention. When I observe a situation that triggers an idea, if I can draw upon some past, <clears throat> pardon me, some past, you know, decision that went wrong or wasn't in my best interest, then that can influence the story. And then my last question is, is there an upcoming book? Is there an upcoming short story? Uh, yes, I, I have an upcoming book. Um, it's interesting because when I was traveling, when I moved from Hawaii back to the United States, back to the mainland, um, I was I was listening to a lot of radio, and and I discovered a, a story channel, a, a, a channel that highlighted different stories, sort of like, um, you won't know because you're too young, but Paul Harvey uh, had a program, and it was called The Rest of the Story. And he would introduce a story, and then it would always have a twist at the end that you didn't expect. And 
So I found a radio station that was doing a lot of those kind of of stories, and so I've had it in the works for quite a while. But my next book, and possibly my last book, will be sort of like Paul Harvey's. And now you know the rest of the story. So each of the stories will have a twist at the end、huh. that the reader doesn't expect. To, you know. Doesn't expect coming. Sure,、mm. it's very interesting. I'm going to be on the lookout for that book when it comes out. Yeah, that's really awesome. Anything?、Uh, so yeah, where, where can we? If I was like,、uh, yeah, for the listeners, let me just put it that way. For the listeners, you know, that don't know anything about you or, or where they can get your work, where can they actually find all of this? Sure. Thank you for asking. It, it's real simple. All they have to do is Google my name.、Um, I'm the only one, so they don't have to look through pages and pages. <laughs> If you Google my name, Branch, like a tree, and then I S O L E, it'll come right out, and and it has links to you know interviews and my website and my books and my YouTube channel.、Um, so there's lots of things to read. Uh, yeah. And lot, lots of access things. That's the easiest way. Just Google my name. But thanks for asking. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. It's been very, very insightful.、Um, I've enjoyed hearing and listening to what you said about books and writing and your journey and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. I learned a lot. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So you were listening.、Yes, An interview with Branch Isolé and myself, Cynthia, from the Political Show, and Nash Fearless Eagle from What's the Topic. Yes, right here on Active Family Radio has never been better. Awesome. <laughs>